0: If you have ever seen a fig leaf, you know that is not your first best choice for covering if you are naked. Figs are, of course, mentioned in the Bible, and they make literary and/or cultural appearances even before that. Figs is the subject today. They are good for cookies, but so much more than that. Perfectly fine just raw. There are some ways to get the beauty from figs in cooking and preserving to make them last the year. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 133. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Dan Reed here, the Culinary Libertarian. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Pick up your copy of my cookbook, Cooking for Comfort, on Amazon, or find the Amazon link on the blog post, culinarylibertarian.com slash cooking for comfort. You can also view reader-submitted photos of dishes they've made. With summer on the way, you'll need to stock the wine cooler with some fun white wines to serve cold on hot days. Make sangria, or just enjoy a fine ice-cold blush. Find selections you can't live without at California Wine Club with my link, culinarylibertarian.com slash ca wine No doubt everyone knows the story of Adam and Eve and their discovery after eating of the forbidden fruit that they were naked and fashioned aprons from fig leaves. The fig is the first tree and fruit mentioned specifically in the Bible. It is debated if the forbidden fruit was a quince, an apricot, or in fact a fig, or possibly the apple. Some brief botanical stuff. The fig is not a fruit. Now, before you balk, that's mostly right, but there is, of course, a twist to the ending. Just as the tomato isn't a vegetable, the fig is a wrapper, so to speak, for the fruit which we call the seeds. While that seems interesting, it won't even win you a bet at the bar. What might win you a bet at the bar is no bees are required to pollinate the fig. That task falls to wee wasps. What is little known, and probably for good reason, is Cato the Elder and his use of the fig to make Rome a standalone entity. It is said he ended every speech with, quote, Carthage must be destroyed, end quote, probably not in English. But those oaths seemed not to produce the results he desired, which was sacking Carthage. As written in the book, History of Food, quote, At last, tired of getting no positive decision from his colleagues, he produced a fresh fig from the folds of his toga, held it up and cried, do you see this fig? It was still growing on a Carthaginian fig tree three days ago. See how close the enemy is? The Romans took arms and Carthage was duly destroyed. Quote. What has that story to do with figs, you might wonder? It is from such a moment as producing a fig that the currently used word sycophant derives. Now, a bit of word history comes from figs. The same passage in History of Food reads, a few sentences later, quote, Figs were never picked before the priests, known as sycophants, declared that they were ripe and the crop could be gathered, end quote. The word sycophant means revealer of figs, and the gesture of a thumb between the middle and first finger, well, that's an obscene one in some cultures. There is some suggestion a sycophant was a person who narked on someone who was exporting figs that was then an illegal act in ancient Athens. The story is further muddied that the accuser, the sycophant, leveled false charges of fig exportation. Some division exists as to the veracity of this claim. However, the part of an insincere accusation resembles the current use of an insincere flatterer, and it seems in both cases it is not a good term. The rabbit hole of figs and fig trees is as impressive as it is vast. On the Chelsea Green publishing page, the book God, Wasps, and Strangler is excerpted. Some points of the book read, There are over 750 known fig species in the world. Figs have had prominent roles in all the major religions. Figs can be trees, vines, shrubs, or an epiphytes, I don't know how to say that word, which is a plant that grows on another plant but isn't a parasite. Think of air plants or certain kinds of orchids. A New York Times article from 2006 reads that in the West Bank, near Jericho, Botanists found evidence of deliberate cultivation of a fig species some 11,400 years ago. I'll link to that article on the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com/133. With the significance figs played in leveling Carthage, you might conclude figs were prized. Well, you would be right. They were. They grow prominently in the Mediterranean area, and even with their abundance, quote, for thousands of years, figs have played a very important role in the diet and the economy of the Mediterranean countries from the days of the hunters and gatherers to the exchange economies of today, end quote. Magulun Toussaint Samat writes more about figs in the History of Food book and mentions their value as meat replacements and sometimes as standalone meals. Figs, of course, can be eaten fresh or dried. Perhaps all of us know of the figs in that cookie aforementioned, the Fig Newton. Figs are very delicate. If you have ever purchased a package from the store, you know this. If you've ever picked them, you know this. Also, if you pick them, wear long sleeves. Perhaps the most popular choice and maybe the only choice in grocery stores is the Black Mission Fig, which isn't black, but a deep and dark purple, a distinction that alters nothing. Or you may find the Turkey Fig, which bears no resemblance to a turkey. They are striped between purple and green and might look both in size and in color similar to the black mission, uh, black mission fig. Not all figs are the same in sweetness or moisture, the M word to some of you, and so each can be interchangeable, but some are better suited to various uses more than the others. I'll get to that in just a minute. We don't really care too much about calorie counts here as a sole metric. But with that, figs are pretty low in calories. A 40-gram fig, which is about an ounce and a third, has about 30 calories. But more significantly, it has copper, magnesium, potassium, vitamin K, as well as riboflavin, thiamine, and vitamin B6. Copper is an essential mineral and works with several enzymes involved in energy production. Now, I have been pretty vocal about avoiding processed foods as much as possible. I know that's hard to do. Copper deficiency has some pretty serious complications in the body. A study looking at the impact of high fructose diets on rats found that, quote, fructose feeding further impaired copper status and led to iron overload, quote. Now, even though figs, dried or fresh, have sugar, it is a naturally occurring sugar as opposed to the chemistry lab added sugar, which does not do a body good. Let's get back to shopping for figs. The season is usually summer to fall for fresh figs. The shelf life on fresh figs is pretty short, So when you see them in the stores, plan to eat them or process them within two days. Process them? Yes, we'll get to that later too. But there are many ways to cook figs for preservation, including making your own pastry pie fillings. Think prune danish, but with figs. And speaking of prunes, figs can help keep things moving, if you take my meaning. The most likely varieties of figs you may find in the stores are the previously mentioned black mission figs, turkey figs, Calimurna figs, larger than the other figs, white or Adriatic figs, which aren't really white at all, but might look that way in the sunlight, and Codota figs. Adriatic figs are more yellow than white, sometimes greenish, and the Codota and Calimurna figs are also green. One of the things that's fun about figs is the colorful surprise inside. It's a bit no flavor similarity at all. But yeah, you know, if you've ever opened up a passion fruit, on the outside it looks rather unimpressive. It's this sort of wilty, dented, round, hollow thing. But you cut it open, it's like, wow, look at that. Figs are the same way. They're okay. They're green or they're purple or they're green and purple, but you kind of open. And wow, that, that color and that aroma, that odor man, that's, that's, that's fun stuff. Black Mission Figs are the sweetest, and that expectation can make a turkey fig a bit of a disappointment since turkey figs are less sweet. The Adriatic or the White Fig will meet your expectations of sweet and possibly even exceed it as they are very sweet. Codota figs might be the least sweet, but if that's the fig you have, that's the perfect fig for you. All figs have something of a nutty flavor, which is why they pair well with nuts. Walnuts, I think, are especially good, but I also like the uh, we talked a few episodes ago about how there's the that, that bitterness, that sort of dryness that in the walnut skin. Well, contrast that with the sweet richness of the fig, and now we have a a nice combination of flavors working uh, together. Even though we're working, we have we have opposites. We have contrast. The it's, it's uh, well, this is. Flavors can be sort of a gestalt thing, bigger than the sum of their parts, and that's kind of what's happening when we when we contrast flavors, we're getting a bigger thing altogether. And that's it can be very, very thrilling to find out when a match works. <laughs> it can also be disappointing when it doesn't. As with all things, contrast or compatibility is the best way to eat them, which we just talked about. Cheese and figs go well together. Rich cheeses, such as blue, tend to be better companions with Codota figs, but part of that is just my own personal preference and my own opinion. Your flavor preferences and profiles may change, and so you have to eat a lot of food to find out what it is. Well, you know, work, work, work. Winemakers use the phrase dry to indicate the absence of sweet. So if you have a really dry it could be white or red, usually red, but sometimes not. Uh, that really dry wine that makes you pucker a little bit or unleash your teeth like, uh, like, like they're like being a brush, the complete absence of sugar is why that tastes is what that is. That's what's causing that. So when you get semi-sweet wines, that changes entirely. So here then the Codota fig is dry compared to the Black Mission fig. There are no rules for flavor profile mashing except what do you like. Rich and sweet are good together, but in small amounts. Think baklava for rich and for sweet. It's good, but a little is enough. For not too sweet, rich is a good complement. Acidic can also be a good pairing. Think bittersweet chocolate bars and peanut butter figs are not too sweet, so make good additions to salads with roasted vegetables. Salads, uh, so use some bitter greens. Um, if your lawn is coming along and you've got those little tiny dandelion greens coming up that are maybe three inches, man, those are perfect. They're, they're, they're bitter, but they're a spectacular green for salad. Go really well. Compare, uh, contrasted, and compatibility depending on what you want. With pick a fig, whatever you got, uh, blue cheese. Um, because the green is bitter, a a, a light vinaigrette would be good. Um, you could also use a creamy dressing, but I think a vinaigrette is better because we have acid contrasting bitter, playing playing pH against each other. Uh, roasted vegetables, whatever you got. Uh, parsnips, fennel, carrots, onions, shallots, pearl onions, garlic, roasted red bell peppers, uh, potatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, just go nuts. Codota things also make excellent preserves, and there'll be a recipe for preserved things as we get on the show. I'll go over that soon. Black Mission figs and Adriatic figs are sweet, so I would pair that with rich and tart uh, crème fraîche, which is you probably know what that is. It's it's a it's a cultured product. You can make crème fraîche. You can make buttermilk at home. You can make yogurt at home. Um, and mascarpone cheese is also a cultured thing. You can also make that at home, although it's. Not cultured as much as it's actually not cultured at all if you make it at home. It's cream and acid, tartaric acid, and a little bit of heat, and you got marsupon. Um But the Crumb the Fresh does have acid to it, but it also has lots of rich because it's cream. So that rich and tart with those figs is a nice combination. Uh, both are well paired with salt. Now, you can do sprinkle salt, you can get pink Himalayan salt, you can get that. That black Hawaiian lava salt, you could get whatever salt you want, and there's hundreds of them from around the world, or you could get salt in the form of prosciutto. Now we're talking um, a well cured ham. You could get salt in the form of, say, uh, capicola or salami. Uh, Black forest ham isn't too much salty, but (laughs) boy, does it taste good. Um, There's ways. So salt doesn't have to be the ingredient itself. It can be because maybe you want the crunch. Uh, That's kind of fun. But think about what other foods are salty. Oh, uh, smoked fish. Sounds interesting. Could work. Smoked pork. Smoked, oh, bacon. Oh, my gosh. How did we miss that? Char is a flavor that is compatible with both sweet and dry. To reuse that wine description, try grilling figs. Cut them in half, so uh, through the stem, through the through the poles, north to south, uh, and a little bit of, um, oh... Well, uh bacon fat as the original something so that it doesn't stick, but a nice hot grill and get some char mark on there. Uh and then you also have a the room temperature outside of the fig, in middle and just a little bit warm where the char was. That's kind of fun. Your own imagination is really the only limit on what is a good combination. Some pairings are classics. One such pairing is Foie gras and figs. Now, I know there is no shortage of passion around foie gras production, but there is some evidence to support that in ancient Egypt, the geese gorged themselves on figs, which produced the now famed enlarged liver. Foie gras is as fatty as butter and more delicious. Seared well, which means a good color, but not cooked to the point that the fat came out of it, with caramelized fig. Remember, caramel is sweet, but it can tend towards bitter at the same time, uh, which is a good flavor foil for rich. A port wine sauce would not be out of place, nor would a good demi-glaze. Now, I know that foie gras isn't for everyone, but if you find yourself at a restaurant or a neighbor's house and it's offered, Consider trying it. You may remember a couple of episodes ago, I discussed the macronutrients and the dietary guidelines for Americans. Those macronutrients are fat, protein, and carbohydrates. Figs are carbs with a little bit of protein and very nearly no fat. But figs are also something else, which is something we haven't really discussed, but I think we need to. Figs are prebiotic foods. Great. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot are prebiotics. I'm going to answer that just after I introduce another term, gut microbes. Sounds gross, huh? Prebiotics are plant fibers that are beneficial to the healthy bacteria in your gut. If healthy bacteria in your gut is a surprise to you, that you have healthy bacteria in your gut at all, and that some of them are not only good, but as it happens, necessary, welcome to the newly informed club. The idea of gut microbiome and gut health is pretty new at all and very new to me. You may remember a few years ago, Americans were told to eat lots of fiber. Fiber is plant material that the body can't digest, and works in various ways to keep moving out what came in, but also helps those gut bacteria. In that wee space, our gut, there might be more cells of bacteria than there are cells that make you. The website throne.com published a blog post, which I'll link to, is intended for the lay audience and covers quite a bit as a primer. I want to share this portion. Quote, The body's microorganisms form an entire biodiverse ecosystem which, along with their genetic material, is called the microbiome. Scientists are just beginning to understand that humans could not exist without these symbiotic partners, and this discovery is opening a new frontier of medical research and practice. Some scientists view the microbiome as an organ because it controls many basic needs of the human body, including supplying essential nutrients, helping digest various types of carbohydrates, making vitamins, such as vitamin B12, vitamin K, biotin, and folate, keeping out pathogenic or the bad bacteria that cause disease, working with the immune system to fight disease-causing microorganisms while leaving healthy bugs and cells alone, end quote. I'm mentioning the gut biome because, well, it needs to be mentioned. I'm also bringing this up because so much of our wellness depends on a healthy gut. Garbage in, garbage out is an apt phrase to explain the state of health for most Americans. You might feel like you're being badgered about your diet. You may think there is nothing you can eat that doesn't have some unintended consequence to your health and wellness. You may wonder if I am expecting some perfect diet to be forged by will and sacrifice. Eating better is probably easier than it seems. Eating better starts with, and in some cases ends with, eliminating the garbage of excess processed foods. Well, what is an excess? Now, that's a fuzzy line, but a pantry or cabinet filled with boxes of quote-unquote food that require adding packets of powder to some boiling liquid is probably excessive. Cans of ingredients—crushed tomatoes, various cooked legumes, black-eyed peas, navy beans, garbanzo beans, kidney beans—make cooking at least faster and are a convenience that's hard to overlook. Cans of stock or other ingredients do help out. might feel like cheating because you're not making homemade stock, some compromises necessary for sanity— and have dinner on time, and I have cans of ingredients at my house. I don't have packets of ingredients, and I don't add anything to boiling water unless I make it myself, which includes my own homemade ramen noodles seasoning mix. Ramen noodles is on the task list for the year. That comforting feeling of a homemade meal is worth the time, even if we start with cans. That comforting feeling of a comfort food, is a real thing. The gut microbiome, I mentioned, is being shown to be far more relevant in not just digesting our food. Yeah, it does that. We thought it was only in the stomach. It's much further down the line. But also, the gut microbiome is talking to the brain. That's what has been termed the gut-brain axis. Now, if all this sounds like a lot, it is. Brains talking to guts seems a bit much. Guts talking to immune systems seems almost beyond the pale, but that's what happens when you get food poisoning. You can think of the good microbes as the home plate umpire giving that grand gesture of, you're out of here, to those bad, unwanted bugs. And there's only two ways out, one of them much more immediate than the other. So, since I'm pressing some new ideas, let me push the matter. From the Thorn.com article, there's this line, Obesity studies have shown that identical meals can produce very different metabolic responses in different individuals and the balance of the different types of microorganisms in the gut is a contributing factor, end quote. Despite outward appearances, each of us is truly unique with the microbes in our system being particular to us. So, when you and a friend diet, one loses weight, the other one does not, look to the microbes first. One facet I find the most interesting in the gut biosphere is that we can change our gut microbes. Changes in our diet can cause changes in the quantities of particular microbes, which can cause changes in our emotional responses to stimuli. Literally, we can change ourselves through our diet. I brought this topic up, A, to introduce it, and two, to set the table, so to speak, for more discussion about it. One theme from the Dietary Guidelines episode was no one person can state any particular food group or food choice is right for everyone. The uniqueness of each of us and the uniqueness of our gut microbes makes that an absolute the challenge, then, is how to learn how each of our systems work and how to get the best from it. Now, that's an easy question, but I can't even contemplate the answers. <laughs> I want to find somebody who can. Okay, let's take a moment out for words from Jake about his tasting Anarchy podcast and then get into a recipe or two. Hey everyone, Jake here, host of the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Join my co-host Mason and I each week as we explore the world of wine and alcohol through a Liberty Lens. You can find us on all your major podcatchers, TastingAnarchy.com or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and Liberty podcast. Find out how much government is in your drink. Tallahassee, Florida has an abundance of fig trees. One prominent variety not included in those I listed previously is the Celeste Fig, also called the Sugar Fig. My first taste of the Celeste Fig was in the form of a preserved fig in a recipe called Preserved Figs. It's easy to do, but does take some waiting. The results can preserve, be preserved in, uh, in like water bath canning, uh, They could probably be pressure canned, but they don't know how to do that, and stored for some while. Good luck. The syrup is not too thick, and it's not too gloppy, as a syrup sometimes can be. It is packed with flavor and makes an excellent ingredient for a nice cocktail, or a drizzle on a salad, or on game meat. Now, that good luck refers to these things are kind of like, well... They're addictive. They're very, very good. I'll include the recipe on the show notes page. Just a few notes here. The recipe reads to use whole spices and place them in a sachet bag. A sachet is not some fancy thing you need to buy. It's just some permeable wrap in which the spices are held and then may exude their flavor. But also, since they're all wrapped up, they're easy to remove. If you don't happen to have cheese cloth in the kitchen, a coffee filter is fine. Lay the coffee filter flat. Place the spices uh, on the fluted side near you. And then fold that end up over and away from you to cover the spices. And roll it one time on the counter. Then fold each end of the coffee filter toward the middle so that you are sealing the edges. And then roll that whole thing up So it looks like a spice-filled coffee filter cigar. Tied both ends with the kitchen string, and it's done. The recipe is for six pounds of figs, but can be reduced by half pretty easily. The waiting part I mentioned is the figs will be brought to a boil in the sugar, spice, syrup, then cooled. Cooled means cool to the touch. That can be a few hours or overnight. It doesn't that that part isn't important, but the boil cool uh, twice more for a total of three boils and three cools, then jar them and process them in your uh, water bath processing or pressure uh, if you know how to do that, or just eat them. They make great accompaniments to cheese platters or charcuterie boards. they are great ingredients on composed salad plates or as part of a melon and prosciutto snack, uh, or a of them and some ice cream. Dried figs can be added to salads, or they can be reconstituted and stuffed with nearly any mixture of ingredients. Now, the sugar concentration on dried figs is higher, so the sweet taste is higher too. Contrasts in rich flavors such as blue cheese and Tulsa walnuts are good combinations. Uh, I think uh, the pips, that's not the right word. There's another word for them. Uh, for uh, pomegranates would probably fit nicely in there. Well, fit and then <laughs> both sides and compatibility. Sesame seeds would be interesting. You can, As far as spices goes, you can really kind of ramp up the spices and get really heavy with it. You could use, I mean, pretty much anything, but stronger the better. Cinnamon, mace, nutmeg, cardamom, um, ground coriander is good because it doesn't taste like cilantro. Um, curry would be fantastic in there. Um, it could take some heat, some red pepper flakes, some cayenne pepper. Uh, I, I think uh, jalapeno might, jalapeno isn't too hot, but jalapeno. Has a very distinctive flavor and may overtake everybody else. Uh, anything hotter, a Scotch bonnet, is just going to ruin the whole thing. Um, as far as herbs, uh, lavender—the green stem, the, the green leaves off of lavender—is a good herb to go in here. Uh, the lavender flowers would be nice. Uh, thyme. Maybe a teeny bit of rosemary, lemon balm would be interesting. Savory would be really good. Uh I'd probably stay away from things like marjoram, If I love marjoram, it might work. Or I think is too strong. Uh chives, parsley, shervil. You can just you can kinda go nuts. And <laughs> that is one of the that's one of the fun things to do is, you know, experiment a little bit, write it down. If it didn't work, make a note. If it didn't work, find out why and make a note of that. Uh, dried figs are excellent in breads, and use them where you would use raisins. Make sure that you have cut the pieces to be similar size. Chutneys are quite fun to make and really full of flavor. Uh, despite the many variations of chutney in the world, a chutney needs some specific items to be a chutney, and you can fiddle with the ratios. Chutney needs the main flavor. Figs, red onions, mangoes, pineapples, peaches. Heat in the form of some kind of hot pepper. Acid in the form of some kind of vinegar, or it could be lemon juice. Sweet, generally in the form of sugar, but it could be honey. It could be preserved fig juice. It could be stevia. It could be maple syrup. When you make Chinese, or any kind of preserve really, consider the end use. If the pieces of fruit are so large they cannot easily be used, Say so you're gonna spread it on toast if it's giant hunks. Well, then before you make it, cut the fruit smaller so that your finished product is smaller. I mean, cutting a big hunk of mango after it's made into a chutney is just messy. I just it just is. Take my word for it. Chutney's benefit from being canned so that the flavors have time to meld and marry. Oded Schwartz, who has published several preserving cookbooks, recommends letting chutneys stand for about a month. One last way to cook figs is to poach them in a fortified wine. Port or Madeira is good, a slightly superior sherry would work, and so would a brandy. Add enough wine or booze to cover the figs by about half an inch. Add a few tablespoons of good honey and a dash of salt, and bring that slowly to a boil. When it boils, cut the heat to simmer and let them cook for about five minutes. Let the figs cool in the liquid, then you're ready. Uh, This procedure extends the life of figs. Now we've, we've cooked them so that Anything that would have caused them to go bad is gone, and we've made it drunk, so it doesn't care. And also, we've infused them with a really nice flavor of the alcohol of your choice. Um, The honey is there for flavor. In some cases, if you're doing the Codota fig, you want a little bit more sugar in there. But sugar is also going to help, um, I mean, as if the alcohol needs the help. The sugar is going to help um, manage the pathogens for us, so we we don't get them, which we don't want. The amount of alcohol remaining is low, but that juice will make a fine mixer for a cocktail, uh, an ingredient in a vinaigrette, or as part of the sauce for a venison or a game dish. Now, I want to just—I feel like I have left you displeased with the whole chutney thing. The procedure for making a chutney is is varied, and there are many ways to do it. You can make something called the gastrique to start with. You can, and that's—it's—it's it's basically making a caramel of the sugar and then deglazing the caramel with vinegar, which will clear the house of everybody because the the potent vinegar acid really is a lot. But you lose some of the acid, which we sort of want in the chutney. Um, the easiest thing to do is bring your sugar, salt, spices, and vinegar to a boil. Add your fruits, carefully add your fruits to that, uh, and let them simmer anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending on what the fruit is, and get the consistency you want. Take your sachet out and then process. That's, That's as quick as it can be. That's as simple as it can be. And it can become more complicated, but that's for another episode. So since summer is going to be coming soon, and at least in Tallahassee, Early June, we start to see, they start to see those um, sugar figs. Keep your eyes open for figs coming in your grocery store. Uh, If you notice that your neighbors have fig trees, if you're somewhere where it doesn't get below freezing, and in this part near the 45th parallel, it gets below freezing, uh, there might be fig trees, but I think probably not. If you know somebody who's got a fig trees, make friends and, and enjoy the bounty and the beauty that are this amazing fruit-ish thing. All right, folks, that's going to do it. The preserved fig recipe will be a PDF linked to the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 133. Those preserved figs or that fig chutney are perfect accompaniments to foie gras. If that's something you prefer or think you want to try, you can use my link, culinarylibertarian.com, foie, that's F-O-I-E, to order some from D'Artagnan to be delivered to you. Please share this episode around on your social media feeds and like it when you see it on your feed. Please rate and review the show on your favorite podcatchers, and subscribe to the show on those same podcatchers so you get the episode waiting for you every week. I would appreciate your support with fiat currency to help the show. You can find the links to that on the support page, libertarian.com slash support. Happy week, and I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.